you are online with us this morning from Lincoln Hills Christian Church. Uh, Joyce and I are really enjoying bringing these messages to you. You know, we're talking about us against the world when we're disciples of Christ right. and we're, uh, we're disciples married, then not only as individuals, but as a couple, we're on mission for Jesus. So we're against the world, basically. And I think it would be better if our Christian marriages attracted other people to Jesus. Sure. And that way, because the gospel, when you define it, is good news. And if we live like we are going to give somebody good news, then we will be more attractive as a family and as a couple and as individuals. See, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in that first letter in chapter 15, great chapter. Verse 1, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preached it, you received it, on which you have taken your stand. So as disciples, we take a stand for Jesus, and our marriages should reflect that. So why is this good news? Because in verse 2, Paul says, by this gospel, you are saved. That's right. What is that gospel? Yeah, what is it? Verse 3 starts telling us what it is. Paul, first of all, says it is of first importance, which means that's right at the top. It's very important. Christ died for our sins, he says. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And by the way, hundreds of people, according to Scripture, saw him after he was resurrected from the dead. So this is great news for everybody. A disciple of Jesus or a couple who are on mission are expected to stay on mission their whole marriage. Right. And we have to remember the basic principle that we talked about, you know, it's the premise of marriage is temporary, but eternity is forever. That's right. And so we think about that. And, you know, when, when we think of that in terms of the world that we talked about last week, you know, it's not just us against the world, but it's Jesus with us against and the world. And that changes it. <laughs> I, I think it changes it drastically because you just, you know, when I think about going against the world, individually or even sorry baby even with you yeah i mean who are we to defeat a world but when you've got jesus partnered up with you you're walking along with him i mean you know then you've got mission and it is his mission but we know that he wins in the end you know (laughs) so so when you think about having jesus partnered up with you as a couple on mission for god then you know, we don't have to worry about what the world tells us because what the world tells us is, oh, you know, just just follow your take heart. Just me, take myself, care of me, whatever feels right for you. You know, but we shouldn't be listening to that voice of the world. We need to be listening to what Jesus says to us. And Colossians 3.3 3 is just a prime example of that. For you died mm-hmm. and your life is now hidden with Christ in God hidden with Christ in God. I love that. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That is good news. That's great news. It is great news. So living like Jesus makes marriages attractive, which you were talking about. It it, it is important, I think, that our marriages be attractive to the world, to the ones that are lost, to the ones who are seeking some truth in life and that, you know, can, Mm -hmm. can draw 
uh, from us, you know, the, so that they're not lost in the world, but they're well, saved in Jesus. Yeah, you mentioned that, that the world has a voice and Jesus has a voice. We should listen to him. You remember what he said about that? He says, my sheep know my voice. They know me. They know who I am. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you about this idea of attracting people through your marriage to Jesus. Uh, Joyce and I met in the church. Yeah, we Many of you know that. Yeah. And later, uh, I was at her home. I can't remember why I was there. I, it was a new community, and I was visiting people. I was standing well, around in the yard. You were coming there to see me, weren't you? Yeah, kind of, yeah. But she came in from the tobacco field. Her daddy was a huge tobacco farmer, and she worked tobacco from the time she was almost born. And uh, I think I was so, born in the tobacco field. Yeah, <laughs> you might have been, instead of the cabbage patch. Right. But then she came up and jumped out of that truck or that car, and she had on short shorts and a little crop top, and yeah. she was 18 hey, was years old. Then. Okay, and, still in now, I think. And tanned by that South Georgia hot sun. I'll tell you what, as a red-blooded American young man, I was attracted to this lady. You see, but that kind Those of was the on days. the surface because yeah. this little South Georgia girl is a beauty. And uh, she caught she's, my eye that prejudice. day in a yeah. big way. But being called to preach and thinking about full-time ministry, once I found out your heart belonged to Jesus and your passion for Jesus and your compassion for lost people, then... You were even more attractive. I mean, it added to the physical attraction I had to you. But uh, it, it made our relationship kind of gel together a little bit more in so. my mind. Yeah. I remember a movie, by the way, that came out. Actually, it was in the movie theaters like on December 16, 1970. That's the year we met. You did not take me. No, I did not. No. I went with somebody I else. And so we did won't you. talk about that. Yeah, I know. That was your but loss. The name of that movie was Love Story. Allie McBeal and uh, mm, great uh, movie. Ryan O'Neill. And, and it was based on a boy meets girl love story, but she gets cancer. Right. And they're really in love. And so most of the movie is about her moving toward her ending of her, her life on earth. And then there was this famous quote that came out of that movie. Mm. Love is never having to say you're sorry. Well, that sounded good in this sort of uh, post hippie era where there was a lot of surface and frivolous statements that were made all the time like peace was it post and love. Or was it like in the yeah, middle man, of just, it almost just uh, do your own thing and all that stuff well uh it was about a surface relationship when you think mm -hmm. about it because love's not just about saying you're sorry in the christian relationship and marriage we all mess up and there's going to be a time when I have to tell her and have told her, I'm sorry. And, uh, but it's also about, I forgive you. It's a lot about, I So it's not only, I'm sorry, but I forgive you. And when half of the Christian marriages are ending in divorce, we are not on mission all the time. And that's mm -hmm. obvious. Well, you know, you, you talk about forgiveness and I think that's a two-way situation, and I just want to address that here because a lot of people come to me for mentoring uh, because they find themselves in a situation where they must forgive their spouse. Well, what I find is that what's so difficult in repairing that marriage often is that the person 
who committed the egregious offense, you know, sometimes infidelity, um, sometimes it's financial or, or just whatever it is, they have a difficult time forgiving themselves. Oh, yeah. That is huge. What you have to understand is when you fail to forgive yourself for something that you have done wrong against your spouse or even against, you know, just a friend or or maybe just an acquaintance or a fellow employee or, or the whatever. The hard one is the to employee. apologize to your kids when you mess well, it's up. It's really hard them. to apologize. <laughs> but, you know, when you fail to forgive yourself, what you've done is you have trapped your emotions in a prison. That's what you do. You stay hostage to those emotions for the rest of your life and you become ill-equipped to handle any kind of relationship, much less the one between, you know, the person that you've offended. So you have to forgive yourself. You know, that's why Jesus went to the cross is to forgive you of your sins. But what we do so often is that, you know, we hold on to them. You know, we forget that God says, I'm going to cast them as far as the east is from the west. And that's a for peace, people, that's it's infinity. And so they're gone in his book. But then when we constantly bring them back to his throne and say, I'm sorry, he's like, for what? You know, I've, I've forgiven you. Now forgive yourself. And if you can just keep that in mind, that mm -hmm. forgiveness is important. Forgive yourself, you know, for, accept the forgiveness, forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Forgive yourself and forgive others. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of the cycle it is. But, you know, marriages that honor Jesus and his mission practice, you know, three things. And I'm going to say it, love, sacrifice, and forgiveness. And I can oh. tell you, every marriage needs a huge dose of all of those. If you're not loving completely and, and, and fulfilling that, you know, then you're not being fulfilled. I can tell you, you know, practice love like Paul defines in 1 Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice. I know you and I have made a lot of sacrifices in our mission for Christ. You know, we, listen, we left our family in Georgia and moved to Indiana. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest sacrifices that, you know, that I, I have made in it. I know there's, yeah, there's been others. We have to sacrifice things to, to get along with our spouse. That's, right. that's so important sure. when you handle a love relationship. Well, the, isn't that that's putting yourself on the shelf kind yeah. of thing we talked yeah. about? But then forgiveness, you're going to have to practice a lot of that. You know, and, and I know, you know, you shouldn't, you know, continually repeat the right. same sin that you're practicing, you know, and expect your spouse to forgive you, you know, infidelity or, or you know, maybe spending money foolishly, whatever is keeping you guys at odds. You can't keep that up, but we do have to practice a lot of forgiveness because, you know, this is Jesus living. This looks like living it out like you talked. Yeah, yeah. And our culture, of course, you know, tells us a lot, you know, what can we get out of marriage? But we need to remember, it's not what we get out of marriage, it's what we put into marriage. Yeah, what, what we can I give, give to, my spouse? to my spouse. And it's kind of the premise that you and I live by, for our whole entire yep. marriage, you are more important than I am. Mm -hmm. And when you are more important than I am, then you know we're gonna be looking out after the other instead of always looking out after ourselves. And guys, practice that with your children. Teach it to your children. Let them go into the schools and let them you know, understand that, hey, you know, I'm gonna look out after your needs or I'm not gonna be selfish yeah. in this. You know, 
it's contagious and we put on that skin of Christ and we really have to live it out. And we, if we don't, we lose our witness. Well, we do lose our witness. And then, you know, it's like, you know, we've embraced the things of the world rather than us being against the world. There you go. Now, look, last Sunday, I kind of summed it up at the end when I said, Line it up and live it out. Right. In other words, come up with a plan I love that. to where you and your wife, have, you've sat down, you've talked, and you have a plan. Listen, John 15, 4 through 5 tells us how we do this. How do we stay on mission? And, and today, of course, we're talking about uh, marriage in light of the gospel. Well, the gospel continues to be clear and and alive when we are transformed by a mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus. Here's what, here's what Jesus said in this vine chapter. I love John 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither mm-hmm. can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. That's how we bear a lot of fruit. Sure. And apart from me, I like that part, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. But then I love verse 8. You move down and it says, this is to my Father's glory. We have talked about marriage in light of God's glory. He says, this is to God's glory that you bear much fruit showing, which is action, Mm -hmm. yourselves to be my disciples. So all that says is I'm an example of Jesus when I am connected to him and I get nourishment from him. Uh, We received a note this week because last weekend we had some friends over. and, uh, And this is so cool because we met these people through your radio show. Yes. And there's been a seven-year investment involved in this. Well, oftentimes I will get you involved as well because I think sometimes the men need an example of what husbands are supposed to look like in this marriage and Mm -hmm. when we're on mission for Jesus. And these people are believers, but they were having struggles in their marriage. And so I love it when you get involved in this um, because, you know, then they get to come when we invite them into our homes or, you know, maybe we meet them to eat or whatever. But they get to see how we interact as a couple and realize that, you know, we're not the perfect couple. We're absolutely not the perfect couple, but we are on mission for God. And they know that. And we've been in their home. They've been in our home, but they 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 came and ate with us uh, and. This note came back from the lady. Uh, Thank you for a wonderful uh, evening of good, of food and fellowship. The chili and cake were delicious, but pale in comparison to the value of your friendship. Love you. Now that, that is a reward that you can't even put a value on. It's bearing fruit. Yeah. It's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. And... And so here's the thing, guys. We can't disconnect from the vine because if we do, we perish. Disciples are not hourly oriented. In other Mm. words, we can't just do it on Sunday. It's an everyday thing in our homes with our spouses, with our kids. Well, I just remember, um, and I, I ditto that and applaud that. 
um, because a lot of people just want to be good just long enough to come to church and fill a pew and then they forget, you know, that, that they're a Christian, you know, 24-7 or supposed to be anyway. But I remember uh, early on in our marriage, you went off for a weekend retreat um, with a group of men. Now, it was not a small group of men. I'm talking it was like 50,000 men <laughs> at the Atlanta Stadium, I, I remember. And it was a group that I believe is, you know, they're, they're still a viable entity, promise keepers. But they were on fire oh, yeah. for the Lord then. And you came back with a whole different perspective of being a husband. And you have never, you have never stopped putting the one principle, and I know you learned several principles while there, mm-hmm. but there was one principle that you brought back that you have never, ever stopped doing. And that was, you know, serving me. I can't outserve you. And I can't remember who it was. Well, it was a preacher by the name of Wellington Boone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he gave his sermon. And in that sermon, he was talking about men helping around the house and doing this and doing that. But he said, what we did, me and my wife, says we got into this contest about trying to outserve each other. And he said, sometimes it got very comical because uh, of, of the situations. And we did, but, and I still can't outserve But that's exactly what we like, need to do because you see, couples on mission are valuable. Mm-hmm. They're a work of art, not a paint by number. There's no doubt about that. Right. You ever seen those paint by number things? I never I could get them unless the I paint them for was the all kids. running together. It looked when like they were a, two and three. It looked more like a Monet than it did one, anything one else. One to three, yeah. But anyway, that that's a good thing. But we are a masterpiece of God's. You know, we don't, we can't sell ourselves short of anything else. But what are we going to do with this masterpiece? You know, are we going to just keep it to ourselves? Or are we going to yeah. present it to others? And, and be attractive to others. Right. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians 2 and verse 4 says, Each of us should look not to our own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then in verse 7, says, Jesus made himself nothing. Nothing. You know, I love this, taking the very nature of a servant. So that mm-hmm. fits into what we're talking about. And uh, if we're willing to serve Christ, we've got to be willing to serve each other, but other people too, and bring them in. That well, makes that makes marriage attractive, but it makes Jesus more attractive to those people. How else are we going to fulfill our mission? Because the mission is not just about us. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. our marriage needs to be on mission for Jesus. But it's not just about our little corporate marriage, our little tiny world. It's about the big world. And we need to be on mission yeah. for God in That's our right. marriage. And, and the gospel makes all of that possible. Christian marriages should attract others to Jesus. That's where we started. And I would like to tell you, if you don't understand a relationship with Jesus, all you need to do is get in touch with me or one of the staff at yeah. Lincoln Hills. And uh, we would love to talk to you about your understanding of not only Jesus, but God and the scriptures. So we invite you to be proactive about finding out more. And, uh, and of course, we'd love to have you uh, come and visit us live and find out what this fellowship's all about. Sure. You know, we've talked about marriage and, and, and marriage is so vital to everything that touches our lives. Let's have a word of prayer, Joyce, as we close yeah. today. Father, we thank you for loving us, and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the good news that he lives and that he died on the cross for us. And because he died and because he lives, was raised from the dead, we can have life eternal. 
Lord, help us to keep ever mindful in front of our focus that we are on mission for you. So thank you for the time we've been able to spend together today in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.